Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Uh, today we are doing a special episode because we have Daniel of the Lesser Bonaparte's fame, the original boner, so to speak, <laughs> a, 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 found, a founding boner, a I founding suppose. boner. Yeah, we're be, we'll be talking about the Cossacks and what do they mean, what do they stand for, what have they ter- they turned into. And a bunch of other nonsense in the meantime, because our past few episodes have been so demanding and so tiring and so serious that some people are forgetting that we're actually, you know, um, quite a funny podcast, actually. <laughs> so, uh, hey, hey, Daniel, how's your how's your life going? It's, it's very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for asking. I, I, I like that if uh, when it comes time to not be serious, you, you bring me on board. That's that's I can, I can tell you right now I, I I do not take it seriously. Nah, um uh, but no it's going great. I um uh I I guess uh since last I don't know the last time that we recorded together it may have been for that um that uh I think it was going to be a premium film commentary that actually like yeah, it was spies like us for. and it never aired. Right, it was right. it was it was the, I watched it twice. It was terrible. Mark Sands, who sent us the movie. Thank you, Mark. Mm-hmm. I love you a lot. But that movie was just so terrible. And that's it. Was our dedication to you, Mark, that we watched it through twice. Um, anyway, man. Yeah. Since then, uh, I have. Uh, well, I've I've had a baby. So that's been probably the biggest uh, the the biggest thing going on for me. She's uh, going to be five months old next week. Um, or actually, I'm sorry, five months old tomorrow. I love um, to say hi when to she's. Uh, we're, we're we're trying to she's she's already she's tremendous uh she's already just the uh, the greatest ray of sunshine i'm sure she will be absolutely a, a marvelous citizen of the world thank you alice um yeah yeah other than that just kind of uh well plugging away i have um i'm doing another uh podcast these days it's a it's a monthly um podcast with uh my friend claude guzer uh called the cannonball uh that's c-a-n-o-n like uh like the western canon where we read some of the great works of western literature and uh i a uh a you know mostly you know kind of dumb guy try to understand them with the help of claude who is an actual english professor um but uh but that should be if you if you, if you can't get enough of daniel content with us yakking about cossacks you go check out cannonball but yeah man it's, it's been going great uh it's, it's it's good to be back talking with you dude. i gotta check your cannonball off myself yeah fun thing is like in lesser boners when when we were there uh, cossacks was one of the main themes there and you also kind of you you guys when when you and Glenn yeah. were on the show and doing doing your uh, episode here about Soviet music, you mentioned Cossacks there. So uh, yeah, can you please tell my listeners who the Cossacks were then? Because I'm going to torture you yeah. to the maximum of my ability. <laughs> That's in boy, you just asked a mouthful, man. Like what to ask the question? Who is a Cossack? You know. Um, it, it touches on so many different kinds of identity, but I guess the the best way to put it would be the the Cossacks were or question mark are. Uh, we'll get, I guess we'll get to that later. You'll have more to speak on that. Um, but when we talk about Cossacks, we're talking about a a sort of uh, a a quasi ethnic group, uh, semi independent military society. I guess is is a way to put it. But it sort of developed 
in the in the 1400s in kind of the borderland area between the the uh, the emerging Russian princedoms in the in the north and the disintegrating Mongol Khanates of the steppe lands, and so you had this kind of uh, I mean, it was sort of a no man's land, except not exactly a no man's land because there were men there. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the, the Cossacks, namely. Right, right. But, but it's, it, which it's, is... it's mostly uh, what you would call southern U- southern Russia and like Ukraine today, I suppose. That's their right. Main that was kind of the. That was their yeah. That's their main concentration. That's where this this kind of this culture basically developed. But they ended up being spread pretty far afield because they ended up becoming, of course, very useful to the czars. Um, but of course, not after not until after some uh, some contentious <laughs> some contentious headbutting. Because one thing you have to, to I think the I think one of the main things to to remember about the Cossacks. As this sort of phenomenon, as the, as this uh, as this community, these communities, I should say, there, there were several. You know, you'd have several different ones, and some would, dis, you know, some hosts would disintegrate, some would stick around for a long time, some mix and match. But what brings them all, I think, you know, sort of a thread connecting it all is this kind of a real independent streak. These were these were people that, and and it's in the name really, because the like the word Cossack is. Probably, like, almost certainly derived from a, a Turkic word, Kazakh. And that's, you know, that probably sounds familiar because, of course, we know about Kazakhstan. That's one of the, you know, it's like a Turkic-speaking people there. And it, it comes from the same root, which uh, is not super flattering because it eventually it goes back to a meaning something like bandit mercenary. Like, it's this kind of... But it's pretty basically, close. It's, 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 it's kind of accurate if you think about it. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it was because it was basically it, it, the the word Kazakh, you know, and the, and the Kazaki. That was a line of work. It wasn't an identity. It wasn't like a an ethnicity, but it was a kind of work you got into. Where basically you you basically were a bandit, but you would also hire yourself out. Yeah, because like because that's the, 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 yeah. the thing. A lot of people think that Cossacks or Kazaki or uh, Kazakhs. Uh, whatever you name them same word mm-hmm. uh, some people think it's kind of an ethnic ethnical thing but it's not it's a culture it's a culture exactly. and it's a exactly. group it's essentially like uh, i don't know um imagine a huge fraternity except they all have guns <laughs> yeah yeah they all they all have guns and they're all very uh, good at using them yeah and, uh, the, but and, yeah, at, that, and at that point by the way um if you are a russian peasant you are a serf Mm-hmm. And you know your house burns down, and you can't pay your dues or whatever, and th- bad things happen to you, or you just don't like the surf life. So what do you do? Well, you can either join another group of serfs, or you can run away and join the Cossacks, because those guys, those guys are uh, independent under the under the czar, but they're not serfs; they're free men. So um, hey. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a um, it was what I thought was pretty interesting. I was reading kind of my main source. I went with was uh, there's it may surprise everybody. There's there's not a super large amount of uh, sort of just straight up books about the Cossacks in the English language, but I did find there was a cool one um, that was published fairly recently. Well, it's ten years ago now. Um, it was by a uh, an Irish uh, scholar by the name of Shane O'Rourke, but he wrote a monograph on the Cossacks. It's a very kind of a broad survey, but it was, it was really helpful for me to actually sort out, you know, <laughs> to sort out like between the like, actual history and like stereotypes. Um, but he, he makes the point like, uh, early on this, this, you know, the Cossack identity, the Cossack culture developed in the interaction, not just with like the Russian principalities, but also this was when Poland, Lithuania was sort of the other big suzerain, empire there on that part of the steppe and so the early cossacks would hire themselves out to either you you had they they were hiring themselves out to the polish lithuanian dukes they were hiring themselves out to the uh to the to the russian princes or the czar the you know the czar of muscovy or they were just you know they just go wildcat just go (laughs) just go raiding on their own you know attacking uh basically going raiding at the uh the old uh the remnants of the golden horde khanate the uh the ottomans the the safavid uh, Persians, you know, they they get over across the Caspian Sea and sack some Persian cities. Yeah, because you know, uh, even though they were formally subjects of the Tsar, essentially mm-hmm. it was like this: if you were a Cossack, it was normally you'd expect ethnicities to be subject to the Tsar. But this is like a huge paramilitary paddle, mm-hmm. organization, and they just like they nominally run a bunch of territories for the Tsar. 
Except, you know, he, both uh, both Vasily III and Ivan the Terrible both wrote to the Ottomans stating that, hey, uh, could you guys please, like, cut down the Cossacks because uh, they are doing things <laughs> terribly bad. They're raiding they're all over. Right. And they're even yeah. though they're nominally my subjects, they do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, and it's a very interesting culture that develops as well because, like you mentioned, like a lot of the people who become Cossacks, they're there. They sort of go to the frontier because they're desperate, and that's sort of where. Well, I mean, honestly, like the you know the the czar is. There's always work to be had on the frontier because they're, you know, the czar wants to hire people to defend from uh, from Tatar raids or you know Ottoman raids, what have you. Um, but it becomes a kind of you have these. So for the most part, ethnically. These would be sort of Slavic-speaking people, and but of course from all over, really. Uh, but they, because they're starting to make a life on the steppe, they're culturally adopting a lot of the steppe nomad lifestyle, a lot of the steppe nomad culture. I mean, even the name Cossack, because we, you know, like we mentioned, it's a Turkish word, it's a Turkic name. Um, so you had this again. That's why it's a culture, not ethnicity. That if you had to pin an ethnicity on these guys, I guess it would be Russian for the most part. But would. I've, you know, in their own sort of self-conception of identity, would they, I guess they're, they're subjects of the Russian czar. But I think what's important to remember, too, is that they're subjects of the czar directly. Yeah. So they don't they have, don't have any noble landlords or anything. They don't have any them. nobles over them. And they are very, they are very uh, insistent on keeping it that way, which is something that the boyars don't necessarily enjoy about them. <laughs> yeah, because cause you, you, you can try to tax them. Well, yeah. Good luck, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the sort of that their their military services there, there's sort of the the tax rendered to the czar. Um, but what's I, I think what was pretty cool as I was uh, as I was doing my reading is that one of the ways like they're, they're kind of a they're they're a two edged sword, you know, for the for the the monarchy like the the czarist state to be wielding. Um, Simply because, like, yeah, they're they are they're excellent soldiers. They they have to be. They're you know they're they're making their life out on the steppe. Like when they're not out raiding, they're they're hunting, they're fishing. They eventually start settling down and like doing actual farming. They sort of create these more or less settled communities. They're really kind of they were really pioneers in settling what had been the open nomad steppe for you know since time immemorial, really. Yeah, but but also another important thing is that uh, as I check this out, you know, in the Imperial Russia. Cossacks were better educated than the rest of the citizens. Yeah. Like, the level of education that they had, like, what they got uh, from the, like, also fellow Cossack schools and whatever, it was, they, they had, like, more schools and, like, a greater proportion of, of Cossacks went to actual schools than in general in Russia. Yeah. So these guys aren't dumb. They're very freedom-loving and they really just care about of their own, ex- except that, you know, Cossacks are actually kind of like Americans. <laughs> well, it's honestly as I was reading, I I got like the uh, I was a little unaware before I like really dug deep. Like that there were a lot more, and that's part. Well, I guess that's part of the two edged sword with like the Zara state, right? They're egalitarians among themselves. Like they're like you know they had the at least in the in sort of the early stages of the development of Cossack culture, it was this radical democracy that they had. Like everything you know, the various hosts were independent, but they would come together for like yearly grand conclaves and they would elect an, an, a hetman or an ataman their leader which is a turkic word for the leader um and they would like hash out you know whatever issues were at hand for the coming year and every every cossack it's one man one vote every cossack had the right to speak out about whatever they wanted to they culturally had had no they had no time for any deference to a noble they were not about to be doing any of that or that kind of hierarchy it was a very uh a very anti-hierarchy, egalitarian kind of society, as long as you were in the Cossack group, you know. I mean, they, you know, let's not go... They're not They're not going to extend the same graciousness to everybody. But but that's part of what made them so dangerous, in addition to being so effective, um, is because any peasant, you know, you have the serfs, and around the time that the Cossacks are developing is also when the serfdom is really ramping up in Russia, and there have all those limits on when you can move, what you can do, and the peasants can look over at these Cossacks and it's a different, it's like a, it's like a social alternative that they see, you know, like here are these people, they speak my language. They're like me. They're not any more special than me, but they don't have to bend the knee to some boyar. They don't, they aren't told what to do all the time. 
Yeah, like they're they are not serfs. Right. They don't have an owner <laughs> who tells them what to do. Right. So a going going Cossack was like uh, about about like I can compare it to the way of like you know. Uh, if you were like some intended servant in like early America mm-hmm. or something like that, then you could like probably go go to the Wild West or something, <laughs> Wild West or whatever. But yeah, it's something similar to that. You go west to find right. adventure, have your own piece of land, and do things. Except, well, here you get you know a piece of grazing land, and you get a horse and a gun, and right. then you know you, you 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 do things. You're still kind of subject to the czar. With a very on and off, uh, on and off relationship there. Yeah. <laughs> but... Well, I found I found myself thinking that it's a little bit like the, um, and you know, as every time you do a misleading historical analogy, like there's there's just as much that's not the same about these phenomena as there is the same. But I I found myself thinking it's a bit like the Janissaries under the the Ottoman Sultan, because that was another sort of specialized military culture that was beholden strictly to the autocrat and not to any of the other aristocracy uh, that they were outside of that sort of pyramid structure because they only answered to the one guy. And even then, like, you know, there, there were some, some Cossacks didn't really want to answer to that guy either. <laughs> like there was, um, and a few of these Cossack revolts, what I thought was very interesting with, uh, so you mentioned these serfs, if you're a serf and you don't like, you know, you really, you start resenting your surf life. When some of these uh, Cossack hosts would revolt, um, and there are a few of them. Uh, Stepan Razin was one of the big famous ones in the uh, 16, uh, gosh, what, the 1660s that he did his, his big or 1670s? Anyway, um, you had a bunch of sort of dispossessed peasants just declaring themselves Cossacks. Like they, they would just get all together. Like it would basically be a peasant revolt and they'd say, hey, we're Cossacks now. So boo on you. <laughs> we're just going to be Cossacks. And of course they weren't, they weren't trained in, you know, the sort of the, they weren't like part of that step culture. They weren't part of the, the frontier culture, but they just saw this, you know, Cossack army going through telling all the nobles to go stuff themselves. And they were like, hell yeah, I'm a Cossack. <laughs> you know? that, that was, it was fascinating that they were, they were a symbol of liberation to a lot of these serfs. Yeah. But you know, the most, most important thing is like, Oh, come on. If we're talking about the Cossacks of, of course, I'm going to be talking. Of course, I'm going to quote in full the most important piece of evidence about Cossacks that you need to know. In 1676, when, you know, those Cossacks were basically living on the borderlands of Russia. At that point, borderlands between Russia and the Ottoman Empire. And the Ottoman, the Ottoman Sultan wasn't very happy about this idea and about, like, you know, them being independent and about Russia existing in general. So he sent them a letter. And by the way, everyone knows kind of... All the history fans should know the reply of the Zaporozhian Cossacks. <laughs> Absolutely. But this is this is the original letter from Sultan Mehmed, who wanted you know to you know they're independent guys. Maybe he can like flip them over easily and get a lot of territory. So he wrote to them, quote, <clears throat> Sultan Mehmed the Fourth to the Zaporozhian Cossacks, as the Sultan, son of Muhammad, brother of the Sun and Moon, grandson and viceroy of God, ruler of the kingdoms of Macedonia. Babylon, Jerusalem, Upper and Lower Egypt, Emperor of Emperor, Sovereign of Sovereigns, Extraordinary Knight, Never Defeated, Steadfast Guardian of the Tomb of Jesus Christ, Trustee Chosen by God Himself, the, co- the Hope and Comfort of Muslims, Confounder and Great Defender of Christians, I command you, the, the Zaporozhian Cossacks, to submit to me voluntarily and without any resistance, and to z- the- desist from troubling me with your attacks. Dark- Turkish Sultan Mehmed IV. And now the most famous probably uh, fuck you letter in the whole history of history is going to come in, except that uh, this is the heavily censored (laughs) version because you probably need to understand Ukrainian or Russian to understand it properly. Because the version I'm going to read now is uh, kind of, it's it's known in English, but uh, even this version that I will read now is heavily censored, like a lot. It's made. It is made readable, but yeah. Yeah. Zaporozhian Cossacks to the Turkish Sultan. <laughs> All Sultan, Turkish Devil and damn Devil's kith and kin, secretary to Lucifer himself. What devil kind of knout are you that cannot slay a hedgehog with your naked arse? The devil shits and your army eats. 
You shalt not, you son of a whore, make subjects of Christian, uh, Christian sons. We do not fear your army. By land and sea, we will battle with you. Fuck your mother. You Babylonian scallion, Macedonian realwright, brewer of Jerusalem, goldfucker of Alexandria, swineherd of greater and lesser Egypt, pig of Armenia, Podolian thief, Catamite of Tartary, hangman of Kamenets, and fool of all the world, and underworld, an idiot before God, grandson of the serpent and the crick in our dick, pig snout, mares us, slaughterhouse cur, uncraisen brow, <laughs> screw your own mom. So the Zaporozhians declare, you lowlife, you won't even be hurting pigs for the Christians. Now we'll end this, for we don't know the date, and we don't have a calendar. The moon's in the sky, the year with the god, they the same over here as it's over there. For this, kiss our arse. Koshovi Ottoman Ivar Sirko with the whole Zaporozhian host. <laughs> if this is not the greatest document ever. Marvelous. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely terrific. And it really does like sum up the, uh, the Cossack attitude. At, the, at at this at this point anyway like that's uh uh and the thing is like they weren't man they a lot of those guys weren't that far off from feeling that way about the czar like, yeah the czar like, <laughs> right? if, if the czar would like say hey you give me more tech no 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 these guys were anti-authoritarian and rebellious they were like they were the punk rockers of the age so to speak and it, if you can really were, there's a yeah. painting of Ilya Repin uh, the the famous painter Ilya Repin. I highly recommend you check that out. No, oh, yeah, this is it's, great. It's a beautiful uh, painting. It's, it's a beautiful painting, which just just gives you the, the very expression of this thing. Yeah, and because it's, it's, and, the, and also this is one of the things where I can say that what explicit podcast? No, no, no. I'm quoting. <laughs> right. This is this this is a purely historical document. This is not for uh, this is not for any prurient interest. Yeah, it, it's 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 a very. I don't know. It's like this kind of you get the real sense from the Cossacks that like they're they viewed themselves as being in alliance with the Tsar rather than subject to him most yeah, of the time. I, I, they're they're kind of like pirates, but on the land. If you right, right, well, and also on, also on the sea. Like that, I thought that was pretty interesting too. That they at least the, Zap, the Zaporozhian uh, Cossacks, especially because they were there on the uh, I think on the Dnieper River. Which is Dnieper, uh, yes. Dnieper, um, excuse me, I'm such an American. <laughs> but um, but they became so you know very adept at uh, at you know river uh, sort of river navigation, which they then adapted into just you know on the open black no, sea. But the thing is that the, it was not uh, a, a, an ethnicity, so to speak. It was a mm -hmm. way of life, and they were very democratical and very violent. Right. It was like yeah, really kind of very like the pirates. Yeah, especially in that sense of where the, you know, the Ataman or the, you know, the Hetman, like, if it's in combat, then his word is the law and you follow him, you know, whatever. If it's a combat situation, he's absolutely in charge. Any other time, you tell him to go fuck himself. No one cares. <laughs> Which is very similar yeah, to the kind know, of the, the pirate democracy and, with and the captain. And if he wants to yeah. order you around, he better give you some solid arguments why. Right, right. Eventually, uh, as the Russian Empire got more centralized... Then the Cossacks got, like, more and more kind of put under control, I would say. I don't know how to put this I exactly. guess they started becoming um, sort of, what would you... They, they became more official, I guess? M more institutional? I don't yeah, know. Quite right, now. Right, yeah, right, right now there are still Cossacks around, and I'll, I'll speak about modern Cossacks right now. But in the 19th century, especially before, uh, before the, the Bolshevik Revolution... At the end of it, they become they become essentially like tribes who serve in the military of the czar. I suppose. Right. Yeah, like they they're basically like sort of what sets them apart is that they have they had some sort of like uh, they had different levels of conscription or like they'd be like when it came to like time to like raise soldiers, they had to raise more soldiers. But that you know th that was kind of what was most distinctive about them at that point. I don't, I'm really this is actually uh, as as the further we go along in the Cossack story, the the less I know about it. So you'll have to tell me about it. <laughs> but no, I think by that fine. point they would have been they would have been more settled too. This would have been they would have had like 
sort of uh, what we might call peasant agriculture as well, since they're settling all these uh, these formerly like open steppe lands and creating you know village agriculture. Yeah, as as the steps as the steps arrive, uh, they they do become more and more settled, but they also they settle basically in the territory of Ukraine, and then some. Um, I just say not so nice things happen. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, even though I kind of yeah. like things, basically the idea was like this. You know, the, they are these independent step guys who are basically kind of allies slash vassals to this. But uh, then the Russian Revolution happens. And uh, in the Civil War, that was like following the Russian Revolution, there were Cossacks on both sides of, of the fighting. And like a lot of these officers and experienced Cossacks, because you know they are they are they are a military unit after all. That's their primary point at this point. Because the 19th century Tsar basically meant that you registered as a Cossack, you have more or less independence, but you are in the army now, okay? But a lot of these guys fought for the White Army. Some of the very poor ones joined the Red One. And as uh, the White Army lost, there was something called. Uh, or in English, decosacization. That took place uh, on the surviving Cossacks and their homelands as they were viewed as a potential threat to the new regime. They, their territory was uh, divided amongst other divisions of the army and people and was, giving, uh, was given to like other republics or minorities. Uh, they, their territory was also like actively encouraged to be populated by other people. They were massively arrested. They had violent repressions. This was basically, especially in the, on the Cossacks in, in Ukraine. As the Cossack homelands were often very fer- fertile, uh, so during the collectivization campaign led by Stalin, many Cossacks were treated as kulaks. Yeah, yeah, because they would have, I mean, they're sitting there. They were shot. Instantly. Yeah, yeah. The famine of 1933, for example, hit the Don and Kubain territories a lot. And according to one Michael Kort, a historian that I use, quote, During the 1919-1920, out of a population of approximately 3 million, the Bolshevik regime killed or deported an estimated 500,000 Cossacks. Wow. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So, you know, as they helped out on this, they were independent and free-thinking and, God forbid, right. democratic. <laughs> right. Well, that's, yeah, that's 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 one thing I think is really, really very, uh, well, I think it's part of the sort of the, I guess, the wider tragedy almost of the way the Russian Revolution shook out is that you have these Cossacks and, and you can see, I mean, it makes sense that some Cossacks would go over to the Reds, some over to the Whites. Because in the Cossack identity, you have that kind of that radical egalitarianism, that anti-authoritarianism that was behind so much of the 1970 of the February Revolution, you know, behind so much of the the kind of upwelling against these repressive czarist apparatus of state. Um, And yet at the same time, of course, the Cossack identity is wrapped up in service to the czar. (laughs) So that kind of I can see that tension. And also it's wrapped up to, you know, being being individuals right, right. being uh, like trustful to trusting to themselves no cossack would follow like some leninist doctrine and exactly. believing and that yeah that exactly stuff. so they would have you know and that's and one thing that's you know about the uh 
just with the extremely complicated history of the Russian Revolution is that, you know, before the Bolsheviks really solidified their, you know, their, their, their uh, hold on the entire revolution itself, that you did have a lot more of these radical democratic elements at work in it. And, and it's such yeah, a... Well, the interesting thing is that this is, this is also the period, by the way, you know, you and, you and America have this, like, I don't know, you play cowboys and Indians as kids, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little, uh, a little less common nowadays that, you know, yeah, I I know, right? But technically, cowboys and Indians. Yeah, yeah. Well, over here in the Soviet era, that the same game was called Cossacks and Razbojniks, or Cossacks and Robbers. Oh wow! Huh? Yeah, <laughs> I guess that kind of so, makes sense. So, yeah. Literally, literally, you you were Cossacks and Robbers, or Cossack and Razbojniki. Yeah. Kids still play today. It's like you know, when you have to split up. And right, stuff. right. Yeah, it's just you know a game that you play where you're two opposing teams. You just call each other whatever you call each other. Yeah, that's kind of this. Yeah, over, over here was that one. Yeah, that's interesting. That's you know making a distinction between a Cossack and a robber because uh, <laughs> the early Cossacks were the one and the same. <laughs> they could have called the kill. They could have called game Cossacks and you know other Cossacks, <laughs> right, Cossacks and Cossacks. <laughs> yeah, but that's the. I think that's sort of a like I said, kind of wrapped up in the wider strategy of the Russian Revolution is that the, that kind of that kind of like radical uh, uh, democratic impulse, that anti-authoritarian impulse among the Cossacks. Really, it was in step with a lot of what a lot of other people were reaching for before the Bolsheviks really got their stranglehold on everything. And it's 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 a, it's especially sort of it, it would have been a sort of a, an almost a native Russian tradition of democracy to draw on. You know, when you're if you were building a new democratic state, uh, but instead, of course, that's not how it went. And and of course, the Cossacks got decossackized, but not yeah, not but, not. But the thing again, yeah. is that. Um... Like this World War One thing, always this World War Two, right. right? And in the meantime, um, as there was a large population of Bolsheviks, uh, in, of Jews in the Bolshevik, Bolshevik uh, kind of you know part mm-hmm. of it, because at that time, if you were if you were an Eastern European Jew, you were either a Zionist or a Bolshevik. Right. Essentially, the, those movements attracted Jews. Yeah. It's not like. Um, a lot of people, like a lot of these old right conspiracy theorists, like to think that Jews created Bolshevism. It was not so. It was just that Bolshevism attracted Jewish minorities because yeah. it gave them some hope of self-expression. Right, right. You should listen to you should listen to Martyr Maid's uh, Martyr Maid uh, the that that, that Israel Palestinian conflict. Understand this mm-hmm. better, but essentially, Jews at the time were like extremely extremely was were attracted to the situation, and. Uh, a lot of the Cossacks blamed, as as Ukraine today, mm-hmm. especially cities of Odessa near the Black Sea, have a lot of uh, have a huge Jewish population. Yeah, a lot of Cossacks did blame Jews mm. for the communist regime, yeah. and a lot of Jews blamed uh, blamed Jews for the killing of their own people. So they did a lot of pogroms. Right. There were massive pogroms committed against the Jews by the Cossacks because the Cossacks blamed the Jews for the success of communist regime. Right. There we have it, <laughs> dear folks. And his, dear folks, we have history where everyone slaughters everyone because they blame each other. Ex- totally. Exactly, everyone slaughters everyone uh, instead of uh, instead of understanding the things that the the, the cause that they have in common. But well, where where would history be yeah, without these tragedies and 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 and, and, and misunderstandings? I guess. Yeah, but this is this is what happened because you know uh, due to this fact because that all happened at least uh, up until 1937 when Stalin killed all the Jews. Yeah. Because uh, in 1937 Stalin did his massive purges and killed everyone in the Soviet leadership who wasn't ethnically Russian yeah. or who was even remotely kind of you know uh, everyone who said anything bad about him whenever. Right. Doing a really great job of of, of purging his whole state of, like, talented people right before they faced, you know, a massive war. But anyway, that guy. Not exactly talented, by the way. I have read... Daniel, and I'll mention this in future episodes, some of the the idea that he purged the talented people, that's not quite correct. He purged dangerous people, yes, and Uh, on a racial basis, but... But I will tell you that, uh, for example, Mr. Tokhachevsky, whom he purged, wanted to turn Russia into a World War One tank-producing factory in 1939. <laughs> oh, good. It's a complicated <laughs> issue. It's a complicated yeah, issue. Yeah. There, I'm, I'm not sure I know the truth. I'm just being, you know, this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, when World War Two broke out, again, Cossacks found themselves, uh, guess what, on both sides of the conflict. Hmm. Most fought for the USSR. However, a lot of them also chose, like, about 40%. 
chose to basically collaborate with Germans because, hey, those are the Soviets. They murdered everyone that Lavin knew right, about. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of it's kind and... of that same it's kind of that same choice that so many ethnic minorities in the Soviet Union had to face. Where exactly? Because right, yeah. you know, what what do you, whom do you fight against? And and then again, uh, they also committed some very terrible right. acts. Some of them, at least. I wouldn't blame all Cossacks on this. Like, I, like I don't blame every Soviet citizen for the crimes of Stalin, of course not. for example. Right, but at the same time, you have to but, recognize uh, the, the culpability of, like, there were Cossacks who helped carry out, you know, these awful there, there acts. Were, there yeah. were also Latvians who did this and whatever, but, yeah. yeah. And the idea was that a lot of them did, and um, it was, like, massive and bloody. At the end, at the end of this Stalin, after the end of World War II, because, you know... Cossacks went on both sides of the war, they were fighting for each other's side, and uh, by this point, Cossack means you're basically born into this, because you don't really join the Cossacks at this yeah. point. Uh, you can join Cossacks now, which we'll get to, but uh, by this point, you're born into this community. Yeah. But after the war was over, in 1949, in the Second Great Purge, Guess who got sent to Gulags in like huge numbers? <laughs> I, I would imagine it's our friends, the Cossacks. Yeah, because yeah. uh, because because uh, Cossack culture as as like as famous and important in general Russian culture as it was, the Soviets don't didn't like independence that right. much. And this is the part of the Cossack that you don't hear. You like I said, there are other podcasts who made episodes about Cossacks uh, about their history in the earlier ages, but none of them spoke about what happened with the Cossacks yeah. during kind of more modern days. And what happened with them was that uh, they were thoroughly politicized. Hmm. Yeah. There were ter- those who collaborated were turned into uh, tools of the regime. Those who didn't were sent to gulags and sent right. off. Be it like Stalin posed with his Cossack hat with the Cossacks, because he was from Caucasus region, which was like nearby. They became very different from what they yeah. were. And even right now, they have like internal conflicts about contracts about this. But I want to get to modern day a bit later yeah. on. But yeah, these are proud people proud community of people, essentially land pirates. <laughs> right. Who, well, did a lot of terrible things, suffered a lot of terrible things. I, I don't even know. If I, I, I was kind of hoping to give a report on them that, you know, they were the good guys, that they were kind of actually the bad yeah. guys. No, they're not. No one's really in history the good guys right. or the bad guys. Ex- right. Yeah, it's it's always... um Exactly. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, le- leadership, it's... It's it's very it's actually very easy to find um, among leadership who the real bad guys are, but again when when you're talking about like these enormous, you know, enormous groups of human beings, like it's of course it's going to be varied because human beings are varied and they bring various things to the table. It's but yeah even even specifically like with the group like uh, like you said like Cossacks like you know like oh we're gonna find out who you know were they good guys or bad guys and I, I think when you're very when you start to get serious at all about trying to understand history. You, you you ditch the idea of good guys and bad guys pretty quick, like that's because it's not a very useful way of trying to understand what happened in the past. But uh, it, it's it's at the same time it's it's hard to resist that, <laughs> especially when you have like you know very obvious and 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 uh, and and you know obvious atrocities like the, those committed by you know, Stalin and the Soviet leadership or you know the Nazi leadership or. The, I, I think it was uh, Klemnitsky. I, I forget which Cossack revolt it was, but it's it's very well remembered among um, among sort of the uh, Jewish historical traditions. Like, and it was kind of a folk memory in in Jewish oral tradition of just how devastating this you know 1600s Cossack raids were throughout Poland. You know, it was Poland and Lithuania just you know laying waste to entire you know communities of Jewish people. <laughs> and but yeah, you're right. Like it's 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 this cycle of you know victimized and, and victimizer and it's it, it becomes sort of an you know gosh you really did it chris this is eastern border right we gotta get sad <laughs> i'm so i'm i'm sorry daniel okay this is like you know welcome welcome comrade daniel we sit in like our red corner in our nice cabinet but always remember that there are nice men from the kgb in the back. <laughs> exactly but but i think is what's what's interesting is that the despite despite what the soviet union tried to do to wipe out the cossack identity like it has had a resurgence and and that's something i i don't know a lot about except that it, it, like i mean are these people who actually are descended from 
Cossack families, or are they people who kind of adopted the Cossack identity, or like what's... They are very tribal people. Yeah. There are people who have grown up in the commune, but uh, I will now... Okay, see, I can judge the Cossacks in various ways, in positive and negative, yeah. both, and I have done so in this episode so far. Right now, I will power a bunch of fucking shit on modern Cossacks' heads, <laughs> like, and no one will fucking stop me from doing so, because they make me mad. Yeah. First of all, modern Cossacks are a fucking crime to humanity and a shame to everyone else, especially those guys who wrote the letter to the, like, to the Ottoman Sultan. Yeah. Right now, they are pro-Putin, pro-Russian government thing. They have literally paid for and opened a fucking bust, like, you know, a, a copper bust, mm -hmm. to Putin and opened it, a monument for him. Huh. They praise Putin as a messenger from God, literally. Wow. Huh. They uh, they beat up protesters on the streets. They are essentially a paramilitary force yeah. who uh get who whose leaders get paid by the Russian government to beat up protesters, j j kill journalists, and you know extort money from people opposed opposed to the regime. Oh, I was gonna say like it's like it almost sounds like they're uh, kind of like it's almost like a kind of mafia criminal syndicate, but. <laughs> But tied uh, in uh, with the official government? Or? It's about that. Essentially, they have... Uh, basically, they get leeways from the law. They okay. can't get arrested. At the same time, they have a lot of tax exemptions and whatever, and they have to follow their kind of hitman still. For that, they have to do some dirty work. Yeah. They're paid criminal organizations okay. right now. And you know, and you know what's the worst yeah. part about the situation? The worst part is a lot of them just pile upon pile fake military orders on themselves, and they'd like to present themselves as... Uh, hu huge World War II veterans, and it's like uh, yeah. uh, Like our our fathers fought for this stuff. So if you see a Cossack, he'll have like nineteen, twenty, whatever, tons and tons of medals on on himself, praising yeah. Stalin and saying that oh, his fathers fought for World War II. Most of those medals are fake. Uh, he had nothing to do with it. They he, they bought those medals. They're, they're faking right now. They're trying to present themselves as these cool fighters for against fascism for the Soviet Union and for Putin. Right. Even though they're actually basically just you know, they have became they have become czars thugs by this point. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they, that is so yeah. fucking miserable. <laughs> and th th <laughs> there are some. Yeah. There are actually some real Cossacks. Who hmm. still, you know, who are like living on the border towns and who are ethnically like this? Because it it slowly, it's one of the few cases where culture became an ethnicity in a way. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. It's it's interesting and, 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 that it's through we have a historical record of this culture becoming it like an ethnicity being born almost. Yeah, and you know there are some real Cossacks who still kind of keep, try to keep their independence, but they get beaten up by pro-Putinist Cossacks. Wow. Today, yeah. and it's like. You know, being the guys who were super anti-authoritarian, who were basically punks of the 17th century. Right. And now they're, like, they put up their own monument to Putin. They declared him an orthodox <laughs> right. saint. Right, like, they're, they're, they're there and they're, they're, they're bending the knee to this, you know, new czar and, and just... Bending the knee to the little Vovochka is the fucking most miserable thing that you can do, and I'm yeah. sorry about this, okay? Yeah. Well, you know you know what, Chris? I don't think anyone who listens to your show is going to think that you uh, have any other attitude toward Putin and his, and his, and his uh, sort of uh, regime. Dude, I do, have, I do have some valid reasons for this, okay? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you have valid and personal reasons to, uh, to not want to have any truck with that. Yeah, and it is it is particularly kind of, and I guess, and it's another sort of thing that you sort of look at the the historical development of various groups and you know groups that have been uh, subject to you know in, intense persecution or 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 other kind of trauma and violence, and it's almost like on the one hand I can understand sort of coming out the other side and seeing an opportunity at self-preservation in aligning yourself with this power but at the same time it is extremely depressing oh, 
for the most part, I think that uh, those guys who are now collaborating with the, the regime there, they're not really Cossacks, they're just using the name, you know, it's, it's a brand right, right. now. It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a brand, brand instead of a culture or an ethnicity, it's a brand. Yeah, you're exactly right. Dude, 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 dude. You know, traditional Russian dance that, you know, mm-hmm. it's... It's been in Rocky Four. It's been like everywhere, you know, the one where you have your hands crossed and you sit down while like kneeling and you know kicking. Yeah, you do the, the kicking. And, yeah, that yeah. that motion. But when you have this this weird hat on your head and stuff, that's all Cossack stuff. That is all Cossack traditions. Right. That is one hundred percent Cossack, except that uh, for some reason, uh, people outside of you know post-Soviet places or Russia tend to automatically associate everything Cossack with Russian. While it was really with not Russians, the case. Right. <laughs> well, for example, when Cossacks were really yeah. active in the 18th, 19th century, the main Russians were either serfs, and those guys were just too busy trying to feed themselves to think about any kind of culture, or yeah. you were in the nobility, and then you were trying to be as French as humanly possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. To, to the extent that, like, no, you have, uh, at the, yeah, at the time of the revolution, there were uh, aristocrats who didn't speak Russian at all. They only spoke French, and they couldn't actually talk to any serfs. Exactly. Okay. So uh, this, it's kind of, I would call it a usurpation of Cossack identity, because you know, Cossacks yeah, yeah. were, like you said, Cossacks were Soviet cowboys, and you know, they they're kind of cool. Right. And they are complicated, but let's ignore that part. And so let us just, uh, you know, the, the Cossacks are cool. Let's show to the Americans that we have, uh, we're Cossacks. Yes. Uh, clap your hands if you believe. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, I'm, yeah, as, I'm as, sorry, as with we, everything. We, we have come to the deep cynicism of Easter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Chris? I mean... That's what the people come for. It's it's if you if you if you spend any amount of time actually deeply studying any topic in history, you come away with it like, well, there's good and there's bad, <laughs> and it's not that that simplistic, but it's you know it, it's in general about history. You see, when we speak about these Cossacks, we can see the usurpation of this ideology. We can see both mm-hmm. glorification of these people and their deep tragedy at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think like you mentioned here, I don't believe in any like i i have learned enough about history to just stop believing in the golden ages that's my theory my right, theory exactly my, that's exactly my it. theory goes <laughs> like this okay see uh what we learned from previous ages was written by their kind of elite right so right. as we read the histories of of of, pa- of the past it would be like um like someone from the future would read like only only the memoirs of, say, Barack Obama or something. They, they, you, they. W- w- exactly, or like you know, like yeah. Uh, or what like we read is the Bezos, glorified, <laughs> uh, the, the glorified versions of of the retellings of what happened, where it is obviously where everyone obviously tried to make everyone look more cultural, more nice, and more pleasant than they actually were. We read the uh, the upper crust of upper crust telling about how the upper crust did things. How everyone else basically died. I, I'm I'm very I I very much though agree with the uh, with with the. I think honestly that's one. If as long as we're talking very like general stuff here, I think that's one reason why it's. I think it's it's fascinating whenever we get any kind of glimpse into. Well, this is why I think archive work is so important, and, and I think that's one of the reasons why um, a lot of like say the original research that you do for your show. It's so important because the the cool thing when I was in library school, um, what the so archives were explained as archives are the preservation of elements that no one ever thought would be important enough to preserve, um, or rather that's that's one element of archives, and and that's so vastly important whenever you're looking into history. If you can find stuff that no one ever thought would be saved, or no one would bother to 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 take care of to to pass down. That is such an excellent window into what was actually going on. And you can you can piece together a lot more of sort of what you can piece together a lot more of what life must have been like for the for the people who actually had to live in those societies to create those societies for those elites to then, you know, you know, uh, dance around in and say that they were doing it. <laughs> you know? um, but I think it's it's uh, it's uh, it is something to always be cognizant of. You're absolutely right that like remember 
the, yeah, let's like, talk about the archives because you know my my latest episode was about the was about exactly about like this archive document the regulations mm. of the KGB and that came straight yeah, from yeah. the archives. I'm not sure the guys who wrote it even even exactly. thought it would yeah, work it out. Yeah, it's the kind of you, if you Crazy. get your hands on stuff that no one ever thought anyone would bother to look at, that can be such an amazing window in such a way because it's you know. It, it's it's div- yeah. That's way more. That's way more real than the stuff that's written right. intentionally as a history <laughs> exactly. to be read. It's, it's the stuff that um, it, it's the stuff that no one, no one, no one thought was going to try to polish it. You know, it's it's un, un, unvarnished. I guess I, I don't know quite what, how to put it, but yeah. At least they'll have podcasts in the future generations. <laughs> <laughs> they will. They will. They'll have. They'll have. Uh, they'll have the podcast. They'll be able to look back and say like, ah, well. Those guys sure seem to be having a good time, but I, I don't know what they were talking about, but they seem like they're enjoying it. Well, okay, let's wrap this up, Daniel. Thank you for this. And uh, yeah. dear listeners, dear comrades, uh, this is Daniel. You you probably have heard him before if you've listened to all the episodes of the show. Yeah, yeah. Go listen to Cannonball. Subscribing yeah. to Cannonball is mandatory. <laughs> well, thank thank you much, Chris, and uh, and uh, hey, keep doing what you're doing with the show. It's absolutely tremendous. You do important work, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll talk to you again, man. Yeah, thank you, and dasvidaniya, uh, tovarishche. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv, and we'll rummage even to the Western Border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The eastern border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.